Tim, hello. Hi, Ryan. Good morning. Good morning. And hello, and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it may be to everyone listening. This is episode 57 of Dismembering Horror. Every time you say that, I feel like I've missed episodes. I'm like, what happened to 56? Well, Tim, 56 was last week's episode. <laughs> Phenomena. I don't remember. And I mean, I remember it, but... Can you I don't t- remember you saying 56. Right. Well, remember it's this very time. very selective. I remember you saying 55. Remember 57, 57, 57. It's <gasps> happening. Okay, yeah, it is. It's happening there. now. It's right in this there. This is it. Inside my brain. And can you tell all our friends, new and old listening, what is Dismembering Horror? Uh, it is Dismembering Horror is a podcast shoe that uh, where we watch a horror film every week. And we talk about it, and then we say what worked about it and what didn't work about it, and then we do some things of note that were maybe noteworthy or interesting that we found about the movie, mm-hmm. and then we you, we send it out into your ear holes on Thursdays. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we talk about a this year horror film, and this week we watched something that uh, I've been wanting to see, because it's relatively recent. I'd started it. Yeah. Seven minutes and 41 minutes. I turned it off for some reason. Why did you? I have no idea. I think I just wasn't in the mood for black and white and subtitles. Which there were very few of. Which I didn't realize, obviously. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. No subtitles. Do you remember what you ended up watching? No. Probably something fucking horrible. <laughs> but uh, no matter whatever it was within the seven first seven minutes of that, you're like, but I'd rather watch this. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. I was like, this is nominal enough for me to like watch and do something else at the same time. Yeah. Great. Actually, that might be why I turned it off. Because I was like, oh, I need to pay attention to yeah. this one. I also, you're that like, happens. I also want to be on my phone. So <laughs> right. not tonight. <laughs> Uh, anything else to touch on before we we get into it it's a beautiful it's a beautiful wednesday morning here in hollywood we're gonna talk about a horror movie for an hour plus here tim i'm excited i don't know what else to say do you have anything else to add anything about last week's anything else great nah what right. was last week? <laughs> Again. <laughs> You're right. You remembered 50, <sighs> no, 55, but not 56. <sighs> phenomena. Last week was phenom- phenomena. This week, because I haven't said it yet, and we'll use this to transition into our trailer. This week, we watched The Eyes of My Mother. I don't do this very often. Do what? Go home with people. Neither do I. Your house is so neat. Thank you. Is this your mother? Yes. What did she do? She was a surgeon in Portugal. What kind? Eyes. We used to do the sections together. What happened to her?
by how the inside of the body looked. She always hoped I would be a surgeon one day. that little bit of Portuguese I keep wanting to say Los Ojos de Mi Madre like it right? was its original title <laughs> but there's no. a lot to unpack in this movie I know Tim <laughs> there shit. is which uh, if you couldn't guess what I thought of it that's the fact that there's a lot to unpack usually means mm. I enjoyed it more than I didn't yeah um, but first no that is our first thing we do our yeah. rating yeah, yeah. our rating well, I guess I kind of started. I I give it a, a, a high rent. I give it a, if we have rent it, we got rent it, stream it, avoid it, and then our highest buy it. I give it a high rent. A strong rent, if you will. Some I, some might say a hearty rent. A hearty rent. <laughs> I say a hearty rent. Make sure you're in the mood, though. It's it's slow. It's sanguine. It's uh, eerie and it's intense all at the same time. Yeah. Ooh, it's almost good enough for me to buy. It's, um, but it's not one I would be ashamed to have on my shelf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's. I would have bought it at a certain stage of buying. You know what? You know what? I guess the thing I'm I'm going to be a rent because it doesn't. It doesn't have like a marquee thing that made me that like that I would be like, holy shit, this movie. Like like um <laughs> I almost just said like phenomena did. <laughs> I don't what? mean phenomena. I mean possession. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like possession I go, there's like three or so things in that where I go, holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I want to. I want to own this. This doesn't have like really a uh, uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, but it's overall just so solid. Like from, right from top to bottom. So something about like to sort of put it in terms of a rating system outside of our rating system. It's like <laughs> uh, wait, now I wanted to say phenomena too. Possession is just like <laughs> that's just one of the five star movies. Like it's just that good, yes. I think. But this is like, oh my god, this is great. It's like f- solid four stars. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I'm a rent. I'm a rent for sure. Cool. Well, what what did happen in it to summarize, which is our next section. Okay. Um well, it's broken up into three chapters. That's right. That let's yeah, let's go chapter. And it's chapter. Francesca from a girl to a young woman to a slightly older woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the movie. There you go. So no, so in where would you say this does it ever say where it takes place? No. It's very kind of It's um, in, it's intentionally yeah. vague as to the time and place. It's like this vaguely yeah. kind of 1950s middle America. It, it could be 1950, it could be 2000. Yeah. It like really it actually could be. could be. Yeah, some town that still has old cars around. Yeah, they exist. Mhm. So uh, as far as aesthetically though. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say in on a secluded farmhouse, a family lives, and the family is a mother and a father. <laughs> on a secluded farmhouse, a family <laughs> lives. I mean, you could say on a secluded farmhouse in anywhere rural America, <laughs> a, a family, family lives. lives. 
and something, a family dies. <laughs> something soon is sure to give. An ounce of sanity once had lost, for soon Francisca will... I don't know, I lost my rhyming scheme, but... She'll see through the eyes of her mother. So, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so, they live there. Francesca, daughter, young. Clearly, like five, six, clearly seven. these people, it's like her and the mother and the father, and clearly they are uh, very isolated unto themselves. Yes. We, yes. Yeah. So, one day, <laughs> uh... A guy, like a door-to-door sort of looking, maybe he's a, you know, missionary, or maybe he's a, what What are those um, people who come door-to-door and sell yeah. things, whatever, uh, shows up and, and is like talking to Francesca out in the yard, and this seems unusual. And so the mother, rightly so, goes to sort of check on things, and the guy is definitely a creep. Yep. And then he does creep things like ask if the dad is home and ask to use the bathroom. And like every, um, you know, horror film, the mom says, sure. Yep. Even though she definitely knows it's a bad idea. So that's good, right? Um, And then there are severe consequences. Yep. He kills her. And dad comes home. Dad comes home and discovers him in process of killing and he does not kill him yes correct he locks him up in the barn and then francisca at a young age because she sort of has an interest based off her mom the um the eyeball surgeon Mm -hmm. young francisca takes out um this murderer's what's his name um charlie yeah charlie's the captor right who killed her mother uh, takes out Charlie's eyes, sort of uh, treats him like a pet, and then years go by. The years. dad dies. Yeah. So there's this the the overarching thing is that she is just so secluded. Like yeah. she's on her own, and she's has no seemingly no real contact or context for the outside world. Mm-hmm. She's in her own little insular world, and that has consequences in and of itself. Yeah, she's she's not real like. Well, I have this in solid. I have this in what worked for me, um, but just since I for like as a whole, what is it a story of? This it's a story of like the question: What happens when a kid witnesses this kind of murder? You know, mother in front mm-hmm. of her, and then the subsequent trapping of this of this killer Charlie, but is completely isolated. Right. You know, and they're trapped in that sort of state forever. They don't have any outside frame of reference for any other sort of moral. Um, right. Yeah. Morality. Outside yeah. Of I that. mean, it seems like her mom was the moral compass. The dad is basically non-existent. Yeah. We've talked about this before. It's like good. It's something that's repeated in horror is sort of people's uh, a new normal is taken on when people are isolated unto themselves. Mm-hmm. We've kind of used couples as an example of that in real life as insularness, mm-hmm. but thinking of like Calvair, mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw, obviously. I mean, everything. It's a story of what happens when you don't have an outside loop and only your own feedback loop. Well, we talked about it. Didn't we talk about this a couple episodes ago um, about like 
Oh yeah, with ready or not, like the um, the the more rich you are, the less empathy, right? Like yeah. that that construct exists within that. You know, like rich people tend to sort of be a little more insular to themselves, yep. and you know that's on a you know, far it's end of the scale. It's their worldview. They aren't. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, they aren't hanging out. So with... yeah, this sort of lack of empathy thing is very it broadly existent in this movie. Right. Class distinction. Yeah. Um, also, you know what? Just inversely. Um, I mean, it makes us maybe in a way that is not actually helpful that the 99% villainizing the Mm -hmm. 1% like they are, but it's, is it actually helpful to, that is our own insider view where we can't, where it's, it's like impossible for us to empathize with them because we immediately go like, well, they're clearly the bad guys, which they are in a way, but at the same time. They aren't to them. They're victims. It's indoctrination, right? Like yeah. it's all, the the worldview of the indoctrinated is neither right or wrong. Right. Well, I guess it's there's yeah. no good. There's no actual good and bad from any specific point of view. Right. It's all from the point of view of your indoctrination. Yeah. And like I, like the guy, you know, the guy who who is indoctrinated by um, a terrorist cell believes that what he's doing is good and right yeah he's not wrong that's it that's what he believes like we think he's wrong because we're on the other side of it but like he's luke skywalker right right like and i think yeah it's kind of why it's so that story is right you know that's why it's important for a reason to connect it back to the movie i think that's why it's so reoccurring and important in horror is because in on some level even if we are fortunate in getting outside of our, our bubbles and open to outside opinions, no matter what, we still only ever have our own subjectivity, like right. in a way, you know, but we do level. know that when you get outside of your, your bubble and you grow empathy, it changes how you view the world yeah, <laughs> in a generally positive way. So this is a story of what happens when that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think that is a really fucking cool, um, and common theme in horror. Yeah. And especially maybe what, what's unique about this, we should just get into what works. We're already kind of touching <laughs> on that, but that it's a kid. This is a story of what happens yeah. when you're yeah, yeah, yeah. arrested development in the worst right. possible of ways. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess, should we overview the rest of what happens in the movie? The dad dies. She kind of has a flip out. Uh, she kidnaps a baby and, and needs a new captor. Or a captive. She need she needs a new person to keep captive, so she keeps the mom of the baby that she steals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the... I saw this. Her motivation was more the baby, and the mom was just someone she had to like. You yes, know, yes. She, she couldn't I let think, her get away. I think. Well, we'll get into it. I have an opinion about that. So, but then in the end, the uh, son gets a little older, and he realizes that there's a woman being held captive <laughs> in the barn, and uh, he lets her loose, and then that seals the fate of of um not julia francesca <laughs> Jessica. yeah the end all right first section first other section official <laughs> section with its own little intro you're about to hear what worked it worked like a charm smith what worked Okay, so the story set up again. So good, Tim. I mean, whatever I said about, you know, someone in isolation. But for me, like, 
how this is a good example of a modern horror film having to do more than previous horror films. This is this, the jumping off point for this story is like, think of if the previous horror films would have been about Charlie, that initial killer, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. This yeah. is about what happens. Okay. Who, who is the one that's crazy to the crazy person? Like, it's just, it's a way to sort of take things up a notch, take things up a level to go further into a theme, further with horror, further with a kind of, I don't know. Yeah. All, all that good stuff. You well, know, modern horror films have to take it to a next level. Yeah. This is generally speaking, we watch horror films from the point of view of the moral grounded person yeah. or character. And this removes the moral grounding. Right. And, and it, so it's it gives like, us enough well, to shit. like relate to her in a weird yeah. way. She's still a human and she's a victim of circumstance, but but there's no touchstone of morality right. anymore. It's like I and mean, so we're just watching her fucking wade through she I mean, this is a sort of just I guess coincidental thought, but she's walking through the world blind of morality. Yeah. Well, she's just. I'm, I'm assuming in, that was somewhat purposeful in in the themes that they chose, but, but not but not, not to her. She's taking in what she learned. Like mm -mm. like this is the first movie that I know of as you know as far as how an example how when we, when we see it's taking a step further. It's the first movie where you have um, someone who's you know the, her situation. She's the victim too. Her mother was killed, but mm -hmm. the killer tells her when she asks, "Why did you do it? Why us? Um, why do you kill?" She said, you're right. It does feel good. Yeah. Like so. it feels in, in Portuguese, she says, Fan, fantastic or fantastic mm -hmm. or whatever the word is, which we would think is fantastical, but the translation on the TV was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that's, it, it, I think that, I mean, obviously there's the, the framing of this in, in, the three sections or the the titling of the three sections is important too because it, it points at what they're trying to achieve and which is partially what you're saying. And I saying. can just say as a whole that three chapter structure definitely worked for me. I oh, hell that. yeah. So having it be mother, father, and family is is literally true. Like each section addresses those three things, those yeah. three realities. Um, but also – from a thematic point of view, it's it's essentially saying what happens when you remove those things from somebody's like, uh, you know, uh, the, when you remove the entity that should be there to ground us mm -hmm. and what happens as a result of right. that. Right. When you don't have a healthy way to deal with the grief. Right. Like who becomes the mother in the first act right in a way it's not the dad he sure doesn't right like in a way the killer charlie almost starts to be her like she's seeking out like motherly sort of connection yeah and she almost gets it through him almost as a proxy because she sort of takes over the role of mother yeah which just so we're all on the same page Never really a good thing when a kid has to become the mother of the situation. But she's at least getting that similar kind of like, you know, they all have her and her family would sleep in the same bed together. It's like she goes and cuddles with the killer Charlie. Yeah, exactly. So the, all of that is pretty intense. I mean, it's the, I think the big thing that I even though the movie itself 
at times I kind of, <laughs> I almost thought to myself like, God, this is upsetting <laughs> and depressing. Oh, it's, I mean, that's why right? it's so good though. Right? <laughs> and I, I, I even at times was like, why do we want to watch this? But yeah. like in the, that's a kind of in the moment feeling when you step back and you go, holy shit, there is a fucking lot going on. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a horror, it's a, it's a horror movie. It's like, it's going those places, yeah. allowing us to sort of meditate on things that are in this case, deplorable. Yeah. But just the amount of layering and thought that clearly went into how to construct this right. is pretty impressive. Well, it's, it's I think, one of those examples of that that arises when you just have a good setup, mm -hmm. you know, and then just figure it out from there. Like, um, this was something I've had for things of note, but the director really collaborated on the script with the actor, I the heard main that, actor, yeah. like over the course of the year. Yeah. Um, so the director is Pesci something. I forget his first Nicholas. name. Is. Nicholas Pesci. And then uh, Kika Magal has something like that. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse uh, me. As Francisca. Um, Ma but, Magalias, maybe? Yeah. Um, sorry, what was his name again? The director Nicholas. Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas and Kika. So they were talking to each other over the course of the year, and it sounded like he was using her as a basis for okay. Well, what what sounds right? Would the character do this? Like mm, kind mm -hmm. of just having that back and forth, informing the script. Yeah, you can kind of see how that. Yeah, as I already said, that core conflict then leads to. Um, oh, definitely. Okay, these scenes are worth showing. Right. You know? Well, and I think that out, you know, when you when you have spent so much time sort of fleshing out the thematic things that you're trying to achieve and the broad, you know, chapter sort of content. Am I using that right? The <laughs> content? No, the context. When you fleshed that out, the context, mm -hmm. the thing, the, the casing, then you can have that dialogue and inform all of those ideas with the actual content. Right. As an example, I think for what you're saying, we'll get into the actual like murder scenes, but just the other scenes, the non murder, whatever intense, more, you know, quote unquote horror scenes mm. were also true horror scenes in sort of showing this other side of whatever thematic question we're, we're mulling on or in getting invested in. So like, something you know showing her not knowing how to interact with people based on when she brings the date home <laughs> like how fascinating was that and how much does that show about her character in an interesting way you know <laughs> there's yeah I like mean... like that beat tim i loved it when um she says she killed her father and that date's kind of like uh uh okay you know that kind of response and then then um then francisca kind of lands on oh, sorry, I don't know, you know, my sense of humor or says something about, I don't know how to make a joke. Like she's just lamely trying to cover it. And she's just right. like, she has no idea even, what she's doing. But even in the covering, she's like not good at, yeah. at being apologetic. Right. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. That was a joke. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you don't get jokes you, at all. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, so even if you are trying to cover it, you're not doing a good right. job. So if we have one of our main thematic questions through lines is, yeah, someone in isolation reacting to this 
uh, horrible, you know, horrendous. Um, what's a bad word for incident, you know, series of incidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, seeing it in the non she's just killing people way is just as potent and as interesting. So like that interaction I had, mm-hmm. and then I love every time she was interacting and reacting like her, she felt real and it was, it was doing a lot every time she interacted with one of her dead parents. Cause Ugh, like she, she yeah. goes from, Oh, you know, insisting when the, she's a kid, daddy, will you dance with me? And he like can barely like, yeah. you know, walk anymore. And she like shuffles up together. And then she's just kind of giving like a, almost a lap dance to the dad's corpse. And then <laughs> that scene where she bathes with the dad's Dude, corpse. That where, is that's right. Cause she gets it, in the tub with it. It's like, amazing on a lot of levels. Too. Yeah. Like the visual of it is it's, it's a single overhead. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't cut at all. And it's, I mean, it it does not, it doesn't look, it's so weird to me. It looks like a surrealistic, like, There's something, kind of painting um, in a way, or, or something. It it's doesn't the word look like real. primordial yeah. about him just lying in that little bath pool naked. It's so cool. It, you know what it actually, it feels almost like a, a, a Giger or H.R. Giger yeah. sort of, like, picture you know there's sort of this unreality to it but it's so milky and yeah and it felt like, really visceral like when she was getting in i felt like i could feel that naked old man body like on oh, yeah. me and wet you know yeah but then just i mean when you take away how incredible the visual is just the idea of what she's going through is so intense right and like it's upsetting and heartbreaking and well another kind of one of course she would do that like she she this the whole movie is an exercise in what does somebody do when they don't have somebody to tell them that's not what you do and so the other (laughs) right and so similar things that she goes through remember towards the end she digs up the mom's skeleton and just like uses that as a connection point for i love you so much and just having to hug her like long since decomposed corpse of her mother yeah but okay the other thing that's kind of informing all this just thematically that's interesting as far as the what if what is the unique situation here it's not just the thing that she you know witnessed her mother getting murdered and that her dad's reaction to that was to tie this guy up it's that her outlook in the world one of her big like yeah one of her big outlooks is um or approaches to interacting with the world is uh dissection her mother mm-hmm. Her mother, yeah, as we said, is the the eye surgeon. So, so the way I think there's something interesting there as far as like how she ties dissection with intimacy. You know, we see that, mm-hmm. and then also how dissection it plays as like she doesn't the fact that she's kind of numb to anything uncomfortable about that, which you can argue is is fine in itself the problem is she's still seeing that as like the decomposed person is still the person like the insides of a person are just another sort of side to a person oh yeah and that's with that's a thing right that's a thing that sort of she says she's like fascinated by people's insides yeah but it's like that when we might go if you see a dead body, we go, oh, that's all. That's not the person. Right. We just feel like that's not the person. And that's the difference with her. It's like, no, to see uh, the eyeballs of the skeleton, there's no differentiation between being able to connect with that, you know? <laughs> Shit. 
Yeah. It just made me think, too, like, why have the opening story about St. Francis? Like, what's the connection to that? Um, I don't I had to look up St. Francis, but I think one of the sort of basic things is that his you're just talking about the name connection. Well, like, why put that story in? To what's this? The, is like, St. What Francis is, eye removal or something? What's the story? Um, I don't know it very well i just know that he's associated with like the patronage of animals and the natural environment so Mm -hmm. it sort of speaks to this like initial why like world view like of the mom Mm -hmm. um yeah there is something about the eyes but I, i didn't get i didn't figure out what that was um but um i think that there's an interesting sort of like it's like a connection and a disconnection of your relationship with like the body and with other like animal animals being beings too to be like respected and the mom is kind of coming from that place but it the second the mom is out of the picture it like she doesn't have somebody to elaborate on that right and so she's taking just this little piece of of that even with the the eyeballs being a part of that story. And then it's like she never gets the rest of the story, mm-hmm. which I think is a really... That, of what that, story? Of the story of like, or not the story, but the the reason you tell that story to a kid. Like mm-hmm. as somebody grows, you, you grow to understand if you have guidance, like why that story is relevant to you. And it's a t- it teaches you something about the world. So what but, should be her lesson in this case, you're saying that she's that not you, getting that, that you that you should take care of like animals and, and or or people or right. be kind but and like a, all this stuff. And she, like that gets taken right. away. But she that's she's doing that inherently. I think that's she's received well, I, that lesson to an unhealthy extent because she's still connecting and taking care of not only the corpses of her parents, but with the the guy who murdered her mother, right. she's open and loving to him. She says, well, that's what I'm my mean. only friend. It's like she took that part of the lesson mm-hmm. and never was given more of the lesson, which is which might sort of give, a, you know, a little bit of like context to why taking care of the person who killed your parents like that. There's another step that that most of society might take, which right. would be like, I don't know, have him arrested. And, well, you know, here's the thing, though, <laughs> like she doesn't I, have right. context to the broader world. And then and all of that, those things that you learn in life and in, in, in society or whatever, here's the they're thing, gone. Like, I, I think what I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right. I'm just saying, like, that's where she's at. Well, that's what's interesting. It's not a bad thing. That's what I think is so, you know, in horror, what's disturbing, where it really gets to us is when it presents situations where what's right and wrong is or it challenges us and our typical notions so while you put it as like oh we learn that we should hate this person who kill our parents kind of thing she i mean i think there's actually something too like you hear stories of people who the only way they kind of uh a sort of most probably like to sort of recover from going through hump some some more thing. You hear these crazy stories of people they actually forgive whoever right. was the one who ruined their life. So, but so it's like we see that and it's like we go, oh wow, that's almost like it's 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 
it's it can, weird because there's still something bad going on that feels unnatural. Like she, you're right. She missed a step in there. Like she, it's that she rather than dealing, rather than sort of almost processing what happened and then moving to, I forgive you killer. She's completely skirted the processing of like the situation. Cause we can see how like intensely she's still, I wish you but were she, here mother. I wish you were she, here. Well, that's just it. She was never given the ability to process it through people who who can teach that yeah. to you. Like it's okay and so she, her to her cry yearning, and grieve. Right. Yeah. Her yearning for that is part of the problem for her. Yeah. Is that she and she does it constantly where she's sort of like when she has these moments of like <laughs> digging up her, her mom where she's like, I wish like I needed you in a way. Right. And I wish you were here to give to continue to teach me things about the world as it is. I'm I'm just, you know, <laughs> fucking grasping at air and and trying right. to figure it out on my own well, what, and like no guidance. I think with you know That's the, the guidance is scary. Right. I think some <laughs> of the guidance she does get as far as just her her what if who is she situation she's basing her worldviews on, I think it's almost done more to mess up mess her up to to that that more than just her mom witnessing her mom get murdered the way was her dad's reaction definitely keeping this guy trapped and tortured like that's i think the thing that really said oh this is what you do in the situation this is normal okay yeah that's to me was the more jumping off point of like her messed up context i just, just had a funny sort of realization or thought or whatever um, as you're saying that and thinking about the dad and like this stoic, bald, you know, almost drawn, nothing of a person, he right? He's like kind of like old European if he had one trait. He's the American, this, the parents are the American Gothic painting. Yeah. They you're are, right. Them. You're right. <laughs> like, like actually are depicting them. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously in. Un- embellished upon like whatever their story is but is, there's they, always something th- kind of creepy about that painting a hundred percent yeah it's super fucking creepy <laughs> and i just think it's a funny and, and, and like cool touchstone it's probably why they cast what them to creepy, look this way what is creepy about that painting that i mean they both look almost d- dead-eyed right they're resigned or it's their utter stoicism or i don't know there's a certain like hopelessness <laughs> he's holding a fucking pitchfork right. <laughs> i'm just trying to think of like w- how could you connect the sort of whatever the horror is behind that and then into you know as we're talking about this film but i don't i uh, there's something in there as there far as is. just for me like the setting and you're right just the kind of people they are i mean this yeah, that's the movie. Yeah. It is the movie. It's fucking crazy. The house is similar in that painting. There's a barn like just over his shoulder, like the corner of a barn. It's like, yeah, that's a cool. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to talk to the director and be like, <laughs> when did that come up? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, for all we know, he's never actually. Exactly. How it. fucking yeah. crazy would that be? Um. Anyway. OK, so where were we? <laughs> oh, fuck. The parents, the dad. The dad. Okay, so yes, this thing of the dad being basically a shell. Like he's is I think speaking to this this sort of broader idea of the American male 
Like I definitely feel that when it's those scenes that reminded me of that other black and white movie, Nebraska, which is excellent. Mm. The kind of people who, I mean, it's interesting to see it because we still do this in a modern age, but the the sort of watching TV, like right. being as equating to like hypnotized or trapped or just sort of a certain um, uh, just sadness yep. when you're seeing that. And depending on when you decide this movie takes place, you can build potentially some some backstory to that character and and sort of go yeah he's he's being effective remember in um transfiguration when we initially were like man the brother is just it's just a douche sitting <laughs> on the couch watching tv all the time and then we we're like oh he's a vet yeah holy shit that changes the whole context of why he is the way he is mm-hmm. like i could see that being the case with this if this guy's you know if this is the 70s no, e sixties, seventies, sixties. If it's the time that the car in it is from, yeah. so late sixties, then he could very well be a World War Two vet. Yeah, maybe a Korea. Well, that's vet. just the general feel is that him and the mother just went through some stuff themselves, and then from their reaction to that was just then living isolated on a farm, mm-hmm. slowly going crazy. Mm-hmm. And staying isolated. And I don't know what the, like, where this chicken or egg sort of scenario, because I think that Kiki being Portuguese in actuality influenced how they wrote the story Mm -hmm. or like how they integrated that into the story. Um, Being what you said? Being vague? No, she's Portuguese. Portuguese, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so... That actually was... It came from... As far as how it got... Why it was incorporated, it was just that they knew at some certain point, I think as the producer like spoke up and said, oh, well, we have this actor who speaks Portuguese. Mm. Why... It, you know, and it was this kind of thing. It was like, oh, well, anytime there's something unique about an actor that they can bring to it, like just put that in. Yeah. So that's just where that came from, yeah. Yeah, so it adds a layer regardless of when it came into the process but it adds a layer of the of the mom being an immigrant you know and having kind of a different i mean similar and different views of the world based on their experience right right? because you feel a lot more of just sort of this background we never get to see just by she's an immigrant like Right. What is what is their worldview on America and how is that? <laughs> she put a fucking cow's head on the dinner table, right? And dissected it. And I'm like, that's a pretty stark image where you go, oh, yeah, that's not necessarily something I think that we would be like, yeah, that's common. Right. But it is for her, right? Obviously. Now, whether or not that's a, a reflection of her being odd or her that being a you know, a thing that was normal. It's also just like, oh, I mean, there are because it's just a harmless interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having having her be not from the U.S., you know, gives us a, a, another perspective and another sort of uh, what would you well, call that coloring to right where all this came from. It makes them feel like they're people who are still figuring things out themselves mm-hmm. in a certain way. And um, maybe speaks to the disconnect. Like, we never. Well, I mean, shit. The dad, not real. I mean, he doesn't seem to mourn over this. Yeah. He is so, like, the emotionless. Way, that's the thing that really struck me that 
after he presumably kills or you know beats up and makes him, uh, knocks the killer unconscious Dude. walking into his wife being chopped up or whatever his face it's like he's not even breathing heavily <laughs> the i think one of the honestly one of the scariest elements to that first one for the, for the first chapter is he effectively blames francesca and and makes it her responsibility mm-hmm. this that this event happened. So the, you see this in kind of two moments. Um, the first one is when Charlie is yelling her name. He's he's already tied up or chained up in the barn, and he's yelling Francesca's name. And the dad says, "You need to go deal with that." And it's like, okay, you you put him in there, dickhead, like. What are we doing? I feel like, like that was coming from the place of be as a good father, I have to help my daughter grow and do things that are uncomfortable. Whoa. You that, know? That is you you are being very kind. <laughs> That's a mean? leap and a half to me to get to there. Like I think he's just so fucking disconnected from the world that No, I mean I said what I said because I think he's so fucking disconnected oh, okay. from the world. <laughs> It's his, it is his a, version of that, of like, okay, you know, it's like, sometimes you're just going to have to learn how to be the one to kill the cow yourself someday. Oh my God. That's, yeah, I get you. That's <laughs> fucked up. I think that's the horror of it is yeah. what I'm, I'm, I guess I'm driving at is that the horror of this, like, she's like five. <laughs> right. There is zero empathy and love in this movie. Z- like fucking zero except well, for when the mom is you know the very initial mom stuff but I mean, like you once see that her, happens dude her intense intense grief you could say is a uh, emblematic of her love of her parents and like yes. i mean when she's a kid but and she, going i guess what i'm saying with is me, dad she's not given no that. no 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 <laughs> like, she doesn't get it from her parents and the attempt to get it in the in the what would you call it the sort of date-ish date scene like her attempt to manufacture it in a way is so fucking you're awkward right. it's, it's, and like you're right. She yeah. just doesn't get it because she hasn't gotten it. Her yeah, she, this is also <laughs> someone who has never received love is desperate for it. Like if yeah. that you if that makes sense why she steals a baby. A hundred percent, right? I mean, it's not just it the the theme of like loneliness in this is so overwhelmingly like heartbreaking to me. You see it when she's uh begging the date to stay yeah like oh my god someone's in my house i made a friend i mean just when she steals the baby she's like i think she's saying something like i don't want to be alone or Mm -hmm. like or like i'm gonna take care of you kind of we're gonna be together and like now i have something to to like be mine or whatever it's really just like it's such misplaced like uh love i mean and what's I don't so tragic is call it love, but it is yeah her desperation for mm-hmm. that love manifest as having zero empathy for you know the mother of the baby she steals and then trapping her right you know and, and for the date too who she just then kills right because kids need to learn that other people exist yeah and that the other people have feelings and she didn't even get that okay the um you mentioned the shot of the cow's head earlier and mm-hmm. i just kind of want to shift gears maybe sure into yeah because we could go on and on i think about just the 
And we'll continue to touch Story on things elements. as we, we touch on moments. But just, you know, getting into more practical things, how it was shot, mm-hmm. yada, yada. From the opening shot, even from the opening titles, just the, the titles themselves. Mm. But then when the shot came on and it's a point of view of inside the trucker, mm-hmm. the, the truck cabinet, I'm like, this felt good from yeah. the first shot. I was in it. This Like all the movies we watch, I always know how much I can be in the world <laughs> from the very first shot. Yeah. The sound, everything going on. Uh, it looked good. It felt good. Why was that particularly aside from just, uh, you know, all the things that make something good? I think black and white, when done well, like when done for purpose. Oh, I love the black and white in this. so effective. Here's the... It's, it puts us in a... In, a place. I feel like it's yes, that that is the way we look at it, but only because we think of color almost as a default nowadays. Mm. When but here's from shout out to Gustavo Vasquez, one of my film professors. Oh, okay. Gave us he, he had like a two or three actual just sort of like practical uh things that stuck with me about filmmaking that I've seen, you know, I've rung true and have stuck with me. But one of them was the d- default should always be like you ask why use color Mm. at all because black and white it's sort of unless you're working with the dimension of color black and white will almost automatically put you in the world more there's less distraction sure like for an example like mad max fury road Mm -hmm. i only loved it in theory until i saw the black and chrome edition right and just the world came alive for me like i was was in it in it like in a really interesting way so well i mean from a sort of practical scientific point of view basic black white contrast in like how our eyes pick that up is one of the first things that you your brain develops as an understanding Mm -hmm. like i know this only because my dad that's what my dad studied and he's a like developmental right visual visual science kind of professor scientist guy and like that's one of the things he would always say. It's like you, babies will pick up contrast first. So like if you show them a you know like bars on a window, they'll we've learned that they look out the window not because there's something they can't actually their visual acuity doesn't see anything mm-hmm. at early development. They're looking out the window because there are there's white light and there are dark lines of shadow. And that is interesting to them. Yeah. They're picking it up and learning what that is. It's part of how they develop perception and like depth perception, all of those things. Um, so it's just a really fundamental aspect of yeah. how we perceive things. Well, we also I mean, we forget how much color is doing it every any given time too yeah. like there's very there's specific feels we all feel associated with colors and mm-hmm. tons of them like right now if i was trying to shoot you know you talking like if if i did it in black and white compared to color like the fact that you're wearing a red shirt right. it would be doing something to like it's one more step mm-hmm. my brain is processing that takes me away from okay i'm just figuring out who Tim is as a a person by seeing his soul through his eyes and (laughs) his face moving. Right. You know, red is going to distract from that. Yeah. So yeah, black and white was great. Definitely put me in the world from the get go. The starkness of the, the movie is really stark in a bunch of different ways. Like the sound design 
is very stark, <laughs> which I fucking loved. There's like, what do you think? Maybe three or four ish times where music really actually like a score sort of comes in. Yeah. But most of the movie, it is not oh, there. I, it I is love that. Just them. Kind existing. of like why use color unless you have to. Exactly. Why use music unless you, unless There's you have sound to. There's sound design for sure. Yeah. Like we get, you know, the sound of being out in the middle of the whatever the countryside Mm -hmm. you know there's birds and crickets and you know wind and rain and stuff like that 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 exists so it's not it's not void of those things like atmosphere exists so that's cool um but yeah like living most of this movie of without any music when it comes in i was and and just i personally really like the vibe of the music it's got almost a retro sort of synthy thing going on yeah then i was like this is something i just personally really like but in this movie i was like whoa fuck yeah i'd really love <laughs> cool. to know your reaction to um I guess when I'm I'm trying to think, okay, so felt good, you know, from the opening Mm. shot. How do you do that? What does that mean? You know, it's a combination. Yeah, it's a combination of just having all the elements individually feel good. And then it comes together to do this greater thing, putting you somewhere. But like, I always come back to um, this Richard Linklater quote that I I really liked and related to. I saw him like at a QA, and a I think, for... um, one of his, one of, uh, for, I forget, Dazed and Confused and something else. And um, someone asked about, uh, you know, how do you, you know. A scanner you, Darkly. It was not Scanner Darkly. Damn it. I forget. But anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> get to the point, Ryan. It was that um, there is a, you know, because he has what you'd say is sort of maybe minimalist in sort of cl- more classic, typical movie traits or like movie story beats or whatever happening it's very slice of life life Mm, naturalistic whatever whatever you know he's just shooting people having like it's just a scene of people talking in the corner it's about the conversation Mm, they're mm -hmm. having it's not you know but he said well i always think that you know films film that there's a certain power behind it that's it's inherently a powerful medium like just to show something you don't have to do much and then that he tied that to something about like just if if the filmmaker is viewing something a certain way and this is where I'm curious to hear it because it's kind of almost sounds magical or metaphysical but just by the filmmaker having a point of view and and doing that um that that will come through like if I'm sort of insecurely in film school trying to make something about a mug and like you know set up that and i'm like oh is this the right way to start the movie da, da, da. and i'm shooting the mug you're gonna it's just there could be something wrong about it but versus now i'm like there's something fascinating about this mug mm-hmm. what is it this is a great first shot for something and i shoot the mug it's gonna come right. through differently right so you could say that is just not crazy metaphysical because then that's just influencing the specificities of the framing and the sound design, the mise-en-scene, everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. What do you think of that? (laughs) I think intention carries a lot of weight. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So like from that first shot, you could imagine just as an example, if you tie it to that. Yeah. It's just, you know, back inside a truck, there's a, a woman who's messed up, falls down in the front of the road, trucker gets out like, like I could I could pick apart the elements of what is cool and pleasing and like almost like dramaturgically like interesting that's going on in that. 
But at the end of the day, it's the intrigue of two very simple things. Like the actual visual of the back of a guy's head and the windscreen of a big truck on a single road with a forest in the distance. Yeah. That by itself, we go, ooh, where are we? What's going on? Who's this guy? Like there's a bunch of questions that happen. And then a fucking lady walks out in the middle of the street. It's like, dude, the the, the intrigue of all of that in a moment is pulling us in. Right. Like it, it immediately forces two things, questions of interest and uh, questions of of what would you call that like um uh, like something's up like like f- not f- i guess fear yeah i guess at at its core level we're like holy shit something's wrong well, or I, something I, something's yeah. up but to, to just i guess sort of get at what i was aiming at like what do you think do you think there would be a difference and what that difference would it be if let's say you have a filmmaker who's has to do that opening shot yet has no interest or has put zero thought into like all the all everything about what's interesting about that shot mm-hmm. they're merely like they're just reading the actions in the script the dp sets it up exactly the same the shot and but just just oh, because oh, of their you, yeah. perspective and like i don't know what's interesting about this like just i don't know you know just to pick some extreme of how is this someone who you know knew nothing about filmmaking or was was not interested or didn't care yeah or, or or wasn't someone who thought thing about things on a sort of more below the surface level yeah didn't care would it, it be wouldn't different? be in black and white <laughs> right like it wouldn't well yeah i guess it'd, I'd, it'd I'd, be it wouldn't be cinematically constructed you know what i mean it'd be like it'd be on an iphone mm-hmm and you'd go, okay. But I think okay. you could still do that. It'd be somebody standing in a field. I think you could still have a, a filmmaker who's, you know, made enough things to sort of uh, know how to translate their vision and shoot it with an iPhone in color and have it still be effective. Oh, I though. agree. I definitely agree with that. But I'm just saying that the person who d- who doesn't put the time or, or intention <laughs> in would find the easiest way to do it and it would and we would feel that we'd be like yeah, yeah there's not much to this it's i don't think there's a there. there's an easy and even a way to explore this but i mean i was i was <laughs> i was thinking of no but if it still was black and white if it was still shot on the sure. same camera yeah like, i mean it's a really how do you even make that experiment but it is a very fascinating right. idea because look it it, it 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 just give this to even take out the idea of of a a person or filmmaker or person filming it who doesn't who isn't connected to it or whatever and just give it to a different filmmaker and it will have a different feel no matter what it's just a a matter of developing that experience to know oh for whatever reason in like the blocking and the directing let's say of the actor this feels right and this doesn't i think part of that and and this this is very much a conjectured opinion part of that is how much how much thought you've kind of put into all of the elements of of what you're trying to achieve yeah you know like you can shoot coverage and a lot of time we'll be like whatever i think that's what it comes down to for me too is like 
it's so important with filmmaking. You have thought about every aspect of everything and how they interrelate. And somehow that's the thing somehow that's going to come through in the way of just those final decisions that Mm -hmm. are made. But that's what directing is. And like in this movie, this movie actually from that point of view of how it's specifically directed and shot is shot very efficiently. There are not a lot of cuts um, in and the, the cuts scenes. that are there are powerful. Like, right. oh, we've just... They're for a purpose, <laughs> yeah. right? So, like, I could name probably 10 examples off the top of my head. Um, the opening is one. Um, the When Charlie gets out, we sit, stay looking out of this window for two minutes, probably, where she sees him out in the field... We're all from just the inside of the house looking out of the window. It's at night. We watch her walk into frame. We watch her see that he's out there. We see her leave frame. She gets a knife. She comes back, crosses frame. She goes out of frame, goes outside. We see her come back into frame outside with the knife. She walks all the way across the field to him. This whole thing, the camera pans or um, slides just a little bit to the right while this is going on. It's dollying like in very, very slowly. Yeah. And so we catch the left on the left side of the window that we're looking out of. We start to catch the laundry that's flapping in the wind and a little bit more of the tree that's off in the distance. That he's next to. Yep. All of that's one shot. Mm -hmm. And it's telling a lot. lot. And there's a bunch of those. Tim, but... That, I'm glad you brought it up because I think that's my favorite shot and moment in the whole film. It's, I mean, there's a reason it's the one that comes to mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But okay. Okay. It's like my favorite. I mean, yeah, that's what it was doing as an example for what we were talking about. But like what made it my favorite on top of that was just the context of like, you have the killer finally like escaping after God knows how many years that context, but yeah, how it was shot, but something about how it was shot and his, how he was moving, it just showed like how pathetic, Mm -hmm. utterly pathetic he looked, which is such a turn to like be feeling, looking at someone who did this horrendous, horrendous thing, almost feeling like borderline sympathy for him. He looks pathetic. This is the way he was stumbling. Yeah, it yeah. was like... Yeah, he's a little knock-kneed and he's sort of just like, I mean, he's blind, so he yeah. has no fucking idea where he is or where he could I go. Think it was we, that. This is... You know what? Remember when we were talking about Ready or Not and we were like, she's in the woods. Just get the fuck out of there, right? right? Like, this is how you make somebody not able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, come on. They, um... He touched on the, I was reading some interviews with him. We'll get to it in things of note. But I think this was the scene he talked about where he said, kind of like me, big fan of a, a whore, J whore stuff. Mm-hmm. But where there's, it's just a horrendous, horrible, intense, you know, situation. But there's like some kind of comedy behind it. And, you know, it's not a wrong way, you know, reaction to laugh. But just because, because the way he's yeah. stumbling, like I could hear people just, not knowing what to do with yeah. it. It's just so messed up. Like, um, and then, yeah, so it's just how pathetic he looks. And then he, she finally stabs him. But just, I loved around that section, I was just thinking about can you imagine this whole situation from this guy's point of view? Like, like after he goes in and kills kills the the mother, he's trapped for what, five, seven years? Oh, it's, I think it's got to be. I think it's closer to 10. 10, Yeah. So you're trapped for 10 years 
after 10 years for some reason and you're blind and your throat's cut out then after 10 years this <laughs> this woman who you knew as a girl who's been snuggling with you every night for 10 years finally takes you out bathes you and rapes you and then you have your big chance to escape you actually try to escape and then you're killed like <laughs> like this <laughs> it's so fucked up it's such a fucking cool thing to even try to like think about yeah because fuck him right because yeah that's, you know what, what, I mean? that's what's so fascinating but about it you, is it's like this there's still oh there might actually still be a person behind this what seems like a consciousless consciousless sociopath right like he's still trying to escape is the thing we can relate to that's oh, right he's trying to get away this is so so kind of to wrap back around to what we were talking about earlier of like she has never been given sort of contextual like societal norms this is why we have them right because without them we get this situation we get we don't really know how to feel about this guy right mm-hmm. like should we feel sympathy for him should we just be like fuck him well that's the thing like, oh my god i'm feeling going both on. conflicting emotions exactly. that's like, we have laws because to sort of alleviate us from the confusion of things yeah you know and she doesn't have that so she fucking all bets are off with this whole scenario right which you know and i'm not saying like I'm, that's not an opinion of how society is structured that's just why society has structure right. right to to alleviate us from some of the the confusing elements of it life is, <laughs> it is kind of a head trip the moment where this person we, like, we witness him charlie doing this horrible thing at the beginning saying to her i kill because it feels so good or whatever and then to witness the moment where he's the one who's becoming victim to that it's just, right. it's kind of a head trip that moment yeah. like do we feel cathartic in his death yeah not re- like I didn't. I just sort of was like, it felt gross. Like threw and, my hands up yeah. and sort of was like, yeah, this whole thing's real fucked. <laughs> right. It felt just as I was only sort of attaching to the immediate sadness and visceralness of just a person being killed with by someone with yeah. zero empathy. And on the flip side, I also felt like, well, finally he gets to yeah. be done with this. Right. And she gets to kind of be done with it. Right. Like, is that going to, how's that going to work out? It's just like, I was, it's so, he's lost his throat and his vision also. So we don't really have Mm. that immediate human connectivity point. Like what, if he did have his eyes, uh, what emotion would he be showing when he's trying to make that escape? Like, because he's a sociopath serial killer. Is he kind of accepting and odd when he kind of, when he's stabbed by her? Is he kind of just like... But that's just the thing that still gets me. He was trying to escape, you know? Well, Why? The, the counter... Yeah, I mean, I think that... I had that thought, actually, when I think it was later with the other captive. Um, I had the thought, when when you've gotten to, I don't have eyes or a voice box and I'm chained up, where do you go in your mind to decide your own fate? Yeah, that's what was so. To so talk, the, the counterpoint yeah. of the woman, right, having multiple motivations to be like, I'm gonna fucking figure this out and get out of here. Yeah, and and accomplishes that is such a nice reflection of Charlie. But yeah, kind of like your 
what you initially posed the question is like, what do you do when that happens to you? Like that's yeah. To get to it, the ending, I guess, survival, like survival, like what is your survival instinct? For for me, it's like there's, it was horrific. I mean, in the context of horror movies, I'm like, it was so, so good, but utterly horrific to see fascinating those moments, you know, the kind of thing you can only do in a horror movie when the, the mother is tied up in the last section and, we see her initial processing of her being blinded and her throat ripped out. Like, what do you do? You can't scream. She does. She she screams she as much as she can. <laughs> she totally realizes she has no chance of escape. She goes into fetal position and you're kind of like, that's about right, I guess. Initially, yes. And then I had the thought, all right, when you when you've sort of, if you come out of that, you know, despair. Right. What's the next step? That's the kind of thing. Do you want to survive? Or do you just fucking hang yourself by the chains and say, fuck this? That's the But she has a reason to keep going, right? She has the kid as a a motivator. Right. And that's, that's a fucking, I mean, it is the, it is the perfect counterpoint to Francesca having her mother eliminated. Yeah. Right? Like, she didn't have somebody to sort of fight for her well-being. Yeah. I mean, the dad didn't, certainly. He made it worse. So, like, that, having that be the result of all of this is, to me, a fucking, you know, a perfect uh, whatever, come around of mm-hmm. of these characters of the story. I think that's, yeah. It's pretty fucking impressive, to be honest. <laughs> well... And kind of we were talking about like how she's how one reacts to that situation, like what you said of what do you do? Do you kill yourself? No, you you know, she had the the daughter in mind. Like that's I think what was so fascinating about it is, yeah, at what point do you accept, quote unquote, your fate? At what is the best next action? Just seeing the uniqueness of that question and how yeah. much it says about the individual. Well, and, 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 an ex- and it's an existential crisis. Like right. that's what and the 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 uh what am i trying to say so with charlie his in inherent sort of <laughs> this is super eloquent of me this inherent fucked upness of him <laughs> allows us to get on board with the idea that he would just resign himself to this situation because for all intents and purposes he's had a f- 6 year old taking care of him he could have fucking ripped her head off at any time he's not bound without the ability to move around you know what i mean like he probably figured i mean i think it's logical like if this is the only person feeding you and taking care of you and you're associating at least i'm being fed i'm i'm with you and he's he's at a disadvantage with his lies (laughs) i I get it to say the least but let's just say like the the fight or flight instinct of survival at some point wouldn't I can conceive of a point when you would get a hold of her and fucking grab her and be like, I'm going to hold you here captive until somebody comes in and use that as a bartering chip. Right. Well, I, you know what I mean? Like I something from his physical performance was that he's another example of a, like a, a sociopath is like another example of arrested development where he 100%. seemed like he was a four year old kid still yep. the way he's reacting to being held yep. and just kind of like, I, I looks think like that's a pet. Yeah. That's kind of the point I'm making as to the justification of why he didn't do this. Yeah. Right. Whereas the mom, you go, you know, I kept thinking, I think the next thing I would do 
is start working out, like start fucking like mm-hmm. keeping myself quietly in really good shape so that maybe I can get strong enough to rip the chain off of the wall. Or maybe yeah, I can you do something. I can explore every inch of this Right. room this, and see if there's something right. that I can use to my advantage. You this know what I mean? You day just, I devoted to exploring the six inches. Yeah. Like you become an expert of your disadvantage. Yeah. And fucking find a way. That's what I would do. It's like. I think that's what we would. Yeah. Like there's the instinct to to want that version. Um, now I get it. Why we don't like why well, somebody the, I think wouldn't the, the mom essentially she was does. doing that to yeah. an extent. Yeah, we see her feeling, you know, like she's scraping at the walls but to I feel think everything. What made out. me think the difference with the, the Charlie, the killer, is that his arrested development also had to do just something with his like intelligence level and just you know, he's not he's not gonna search every inch of it because he just kind of seems Yes. He I, doesn't think of in those terms. Yep. He's, I think you're right. He's just childlike going around, mm-hmm. you know, killing insects in a certain way. Right, right, yeah. Um the, But all uh, of that let's is sort of to say like how fucking fascinating the construct the whole movie is anyway to get us thinking about those things. <laughs> yeah. Pure what do you do in this situation to survive is like such a fucking awesome tenant of horror yeah that's a good way to i mean that's something i always try to articulate to people when they say what do you like why would you want to watch something so horrible primal survival yeah it um since it got to like really extreme stuff with that last section of the baby being abducted and yada yada like that stuff was the most terrifying when the with the baby once we get into that but i thought what was so like people say oh slow burn whatever whatever but as an example of yeah, like how to effectively build to something with that, how you do have to effectively build to someone, something mm-hmm. with that weight that you want to actually have that be effective, have that weight, you know, like, yeah, we to, to get to yeah horror of baby kidnapping, you know, right. mother being <laughs> trapped up, kidnapped, like it was just a good, okay. Like, I guess from the get go, I'm like, Oh, well, where's this movie going? How horrible can it get in this situation? And it Mm -hmm. kind of was like, Oh crap. It, it did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It sure did. The vocal cords getting cut out really got to me. Like, I don't even, I mean, yeah, that's gnarly. (laughs) Um, talked about, I like the vagueness of the era. I just said, I liked, um, oh, you know, it was, it was great how it was short. It was, it totally worked for this story. It was like 77 minutes. Was it really? Wow. Yeah. Which is something about it's so nice. Okay. We have three distinct chapters and even though it's quote unquote like slow, we, we get in, get out. We really do. Yeah. It's essentially 20 minutes a chapter. It's perfect. Just kind of like it tells this story. 20. 22. No, no, no. That that'd be twenty twenty six. No, <laughs> twenty nine. No. Damn it! What's seventy seven divided by three? I know my friend who's a, <laughs> my friend who's a mathematician is screaming Holy at us. Holy shit! We're we're dumb. Vocal cords cut out. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good one. It was short. Um, Casting so good. She is so good. Yeah. I know she like she's. I don't know what she's done since, but I don't think she had done much prior to this, right? No, she had such an intensity to her. Oh my god! And the um, 
Charlie was the first one that kind of got me to perk up as the interestingness. Of I've the seen casting. him somewhere when he first appears. He's just totally that kind of unique, unique, like up. Oh, yep. Kind of looks like the kind of guy when you look at these, mm-hmm. you know, get, get into researching infamous serial killers. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you could use the term milk sop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good term. Um, and yeah, we talked about the parents, of course. Great. Yeah. What else? Anything else you got? Um. Oh, yes. Yeah. So one other thing on the the way it was shot and sort of certain directorial kind of things. I just really like that most of the movie we spend kind of fairly standardly floating or like panning and, and it's it's it's. There's lots of breaking up of that. Like the, I think the the standard of the movie is sort of locked down, panning or dollying. It's nice and still. And then there's really, really well chosen, specific handheld moments. Particularly when she steals the baby, we're on a hand, we're handheld behind oh, yeah. her running into Rushing the fucking the house. house. Oh, dude, it's so good. Just the panic of that. But but they did one thing that I really kind of just thought was a cool little thing. The two times, so when, well, actually, I'll add one more thing to this, remind me. Um, but there, when Charlie goes into the barn and when Charlie comes out of the barn are the two times that they fix the camera to an object and have it sort of move with the object. It's it's attached mm-hmm. to it. The first one is him getting dragged. Oh, that was so good. You know, and the camera is obviously like actually attached to the blanket or yeah. whatever tarp that he's being dragged with so it's really shaky but like it's it's got that freaky mm-hmm. unnatural kind of movement so we're just kind it. of up close with the body yeah. and feeling it seeing it move around and then around. i think maybe if i remember right they attach the camera to the barn door as it slides open as well but i can't remember if that's the first time or the second time doesn't matter but they do it there and then when he's walking when she's leading him out of the barn they attach it to him. Right. It's so fucking good. It's 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 a very it's it's tiny. Well, I had thing. it for. It's a, just so good. I had it for the things of note, but oh, since did you? you brought up that shot, that was an example of that was a. Okay, so back when he was talking about how the director was talking about how working with the DP, you know, at first, you know, it's your instinct to get excited about your influences and the shots you've seen. But the DP just kind of was like, well, no, rather than do those shots, let's, you know, let's figure out. And this is the director saying now, no, let's figure out what what that was, what those shots we liked were accomplishing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what they were doing to make us feel. And then we just sort of think, okay, well, then how do we just do that? So he used that example of um, that exact shot with the, the rig attached to the back of Charlie and he said that the DP essentially had to make, you know, I'm invent sure. a new rig for yeah, that shot, fuck. which just as filmmakers, that's just like that's the most fun, fun stuff. Yeah, you know? For sure. <laughs> How can we invent a rig? It's the best. Yeah. It did so that brought me to just led me to remind remember another just really fucking good stark shot that they double up on one after the other. The it's when this when the son who's now I don't know, five or six or something like that. The, the kidnapped baby is like five or six has his teddy bear leaves the house and then opens the barn door and is sil- he's sort of silhouette with the teddy bear in his hand and we get the the house in the background we're inside the barn 
barn door slides open and he's perfectly framed by it. It's just a be- – it's on the ground. The, the camera's on the yeah. ground. It's just a fucking beautiful – like it's a panel from a fucking comic book. You know what I mean? It's right. just so fucking beautiful. And then they do the same shot the following day in daytime. So you get just sort of – you get him lit the second time, which I think sort of speaks to – you know, you could say the first time he's in darkness because he doesn't know what's going on. The second time he's enlightened, like he's actually right. learned what the fuck's up and he chooses to go let the his his mom. He doesn't know you, it's his mom, but lets her out, you know, um, like the subtlety of little decisions like that, even if they're not intentional, I think probably they are. It's it's also just the context of the of the story that's happening. So whatever. Yeah. But it, it's so fucking pleasing to me. <laughs> if you couldn't um, tell. You just remind me, I think that moment um, where he said it's, he lets go his mom who he doesn't know is his mom. I think all that is my, probably was the most horrifying thing to me moment in the whole movie is when he first sees her. And it's that exact like horror movie image that like we think is the most yeah. terrifying thing where it's like, oh my God, there's a woman eyeless, throatless, chained up. And we think like monster, you right. know, it's like a scary image. Get away. And he's scarred by it. So then to have that be, oh no, it's your mother is t- and not know it is terrifying. So t- that, that really got to me too. Dude, the hard cut from that to him under the sheet saying, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. Oh, it's God. not real. Holy fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just remind there's so many good shots we could go on and on there's one other really really big one that sticks out to me that I love it's 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 after uh, Francesca has dug up her mom I think and she's slept in the woods we cut to the following morning when she's waking up and she is under this tree that is like the only tree in the forest right there that is it's so fucking crazy. I don't even know how to describe it. It's black, first of all, like it had been burnt out. Mm-hmm. And all of its branches are going in one direction. Like they're all reaching oh, yeah, out in one that. direction in a forest of very slim other pine yeah, trees. Yeah, yeah. And the shot is racked focused to one of the f- tr- pine trees in the foreground. Yeah. The whole time. It never racks over to her. And she, you know, it's a, it's a wide. It's so fucking cool. Like, I don't even know. I'm like, well, I don't. You just do it because it's cool. I don't know. Right. Like, well, maybe the there's a reason where it's like, oh, that's a cool tree. Yeah. Let's make a cool shot out of it. Let's build right. a moment around that. Dude. So important to improvise that way. Yeah. So there you go. That's all I have. Great. Um, okay. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but whatever. Should we do our next section? Let's. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> the only real thing I had to come off, you know, I mentioned I loved, like, the best thing you need in horror movies is for it to be unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. But the only thing I had, and this is super, super slight, too, like, for what did not work, there's just a little bit of that, like, I don't know where this is going fatigue in a bad way. Mm. Um, like, I can hmm. get if you were, le- like, uh, not used to watching these kind of movies, you're just kind of like, well, what what is even happening here? You know, and that was mostly a good thing, that, whoa, what is even happening here? But there's just a little bit of, like, I don't know. I I had zero kind of clues for where this could possibly go in good ways and bad. 
And again, I, slightly, slightly, yeah, slightly. I get that. Like just a, I had to really fish for what did not work here, but this is the it's only a, thing. It's a fine line of of if you're gonna make something this stark, mm-hmm. like you may suffer the consequences, I guess, of like ma- maintaining people's sort of. <laughs> intrigue yeah it, it worked in the end because you had the chapters keeping you mm-hmm. like moving along in time uh which each just had their sort of centerpiece conflict or whatever a lot of the times but um I mean, yeah whatever. i mean there's very little dialogue yeah. so you're you're you don't have that kind of to grab onto. yeah but there's no clear like as as potent and as interesting as the situation and setup is it's not one where we go oh like once you hear that it's not like high concept where you go, oh, so that's, it's not Honey, I Shrunk Our Kids where you think, oh yeah, they're going to be fighting an ant at mm-hmm, one time. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. This doesn't really have a sort of... Mm, a, yeah, like a, a trajectory <laughs> that you can kind of anticipate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I, I don't really have anything there. Again, I, that was super slight. Yeah. I, it I, really worked. I, I mean, though. I guess, yeah, I could get on board with what you're saying and agree a little bit with that i mean i had a fucking horrible day the day we watched this you were having a headache and i mean i just had like one of the most stressful days of my life work like in in work life and it was really bad and then we put this on and like i thought i was gonna fucking i would have thought knowing the now knowing the movie i i'd be like oh i was i would have fallen asleep in this (laughs) and i didn't and that's sort of a says something about the movie yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like like after the day i had i should have fallen asleep during this because i needed to just i didn't have be awake right i didn't have your bad day but i had a really long long day i was coming out the last day of a job had been up since Mm. 5 30 oh yeah that's right i could have fallen asleep if i had just gone home we didn't but we had a movie to watch and we were wrapped with attention (laughs) this is obviously a thing that didn't work what (laughs) the fuck are we talking about (laughs) okay so the reason i bring that up what was the reason I brought that up? I don't know. Uh, the thing... Oh, the the what you were saying, the pacing and the sort of the, the starkness of it. And I get it. I, so I kind of agree. Um, th- th- there are two things that I kind of was like, I wish this had been a little different. Yeah. And it would have made me go, holy fuck. Maybe. Um, the moment... The lighting in the moment that the kid finds his mom for the first time at night... I wanted – she was in light, in frame. Like, you, you knew – like, we know he, she's there. But the kid doesn't. But I I think we're supposed to feel that the, the, because it's nighttime and because it's dark that he can't really see her. But we can see her. She's in the shot. She's lit in the shot. And he doesn't react to her until she starts to move forward presumably more – into the light or closer to them, but she's already in the light yeah. in the shot. And I, maybe this is just, maybe this is stupid or whatever, but if she had been, if you had only seen the chains disappearing into total blackness and then she came out of that, <laughs> I think it would have sold the, the horror of that moment more. It was already there. But it would have sold it so much more where I've been like, I can feel that's easily the kind of thing fuck. like, okay, we can take another two hours to try to light this. I know. Or not. <laughs> yeah. No, you're probably right. 
So God, I, I, I admit I kind of lost you there because it's I so know. specific. I know. It is really specific. But it was the only time in the whole movie where I thought, oh, no, I want. Yeah. I, oh, it's so close and, to being. Holy fuck. And even what I was saying about a, a slight. Where is this even going? Like fatigue. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to change anything about the movie, though. Like, no, no, That's no, just no. inherent yeah, to the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's still the kind of story yeah. I like telling. So I don't even have a... We are... Uh, yeah. For whatever it's worth, we are scraping at the bottom yeah. of the barrel I do here. have the only one that I actually think is just kind of a... F- mistake, I guess? Maybe not. We didn't really know whether or not it was a gunshot at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I... I think that needs to be. I think it needs it could to be have been sold louder in the mix. Exactly, more gunshotty. Yeah, I don't. I could see them going for though, like airing to the side of kind of real, like, realism of mm-hmm. like maybe trying to take on the sort of you know sort of because because knowing what it is too, and you know maybe that question in place isn't a bad thing because it kind of almost feels more appropriate to have that moment be like even a gunshot that's supposed to be this big powerful you know, a big, big ending for her story. It's just kind of, no, as simple as just kind of a quick, like in the yeah. scheme of things, it's just a yeah. little quick. She's going to be forgotten from this point on. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's, yeah. Maybe it's important to have it be almost ambiguous. Yeah. Maybe that speaks more to the, the broader thing. Right. Of, or I guess I was movie. saying not so much ambiguous, but like if, uh, have it, not be huge right, right, right. and yeah. then if the result of that is it's a little unclear that's fine you figure it out right <laughs> right yeah yeah so that's yeah that's that's me really reaching yeah. for something <laughs> okay well then let's do our next section last Good. section all right things of note This should be interesting. Well, do you have any things of note? Uh, not that we haven't already sort of mentioned. Um, I mean, I watched as you know, as as alluding to some interviews with him, as reading some, but then I, I watched one too. Uh, just try to get down whatever interesting things I didn't already say. Um, so yeah, Nicholas Pesci. You know, this movie premiered at Sundance 2016 in an interview from then. Just kind of talking about his background, but I thought it was funny to, you know, he pointed out just to kind of get, if, you, if you've seen this movie, okay, where is this, where is this person coming from as far as outside influence? Mm. So his parents, his dad was a fashion designer. His mom was oh. an eye doctor. So okay. like very clear. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, him and his mother would dissect cow eyes or cows together. Cool. Um, and then they were just really, really, they were cinephiles, his parents. So they would show him art films, they'd show him all kind of movies. There are people who very much watched and discussed and raised their son nice. on films. Um, talked about writing with Kika, talked about the rig with the DP. Yeah, the only other two things, it was so coincidentally an unknown to uh, Nicholas Pesci, writer-director. Kika, the star, her real name is Francesca. Wait, wait, and nobody knew this? <laughs> she pointed it out at some point along the line, but completely coincidentally, her actual name is the name of the character. <laughs> Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Right place, right time. Meant Trippy. to be. Um, 
And then just when you can find the info, it's always interesting. He says it was around $200,000 budget. Somewhere else it said that it was a $300,000 budget, but straight from him, he said close to $200,000. Yeah. Cool, dude. Yeah. Should I should I tell my the anecdote? I'm going to. All right. So my anecdote is that, a, a, what did we say? It was five-ish years ago or something like that, four years ago. <laughs> I'm like, this is embarrassing. Whatever. I was on some dating site like OKCupid or Match.com or something like that. Or fuck, I don't know. I don't think it was Tinder or whatever. But And I I matched with Kiki. You mean? <laughs> I mean Francesca. Kika? Kika, yeah. Kiki. <laughs> Kiki. So here Kika. went really well. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, we did not like, we exchanged pleasantries, I believe. I think we just like a, hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then we never followed up with each other at all. We never (laughs) went on a date. And then I found out that she was in this movie. And then also that she, we have a mutual friend on Facebook. (laughs) Great. Mikey. Really? I don't know. Our bud Mikey. Yeah, our bud Mikey knows. No, I don't. Well, I think he's done something that she was involved with. Mikey's. I mean, he's all over. He he knows everybody. He's done it all. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I've, yeah, I never, uh, I never ended up actually meeting her. Good. good She's married now, so. But personal, uh, firsthand, very LA things of note. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Very LA. Okay. Um, By the way, I'm still single. (laughs) So, Kika, if you know anyone else. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe by the time this episode comes out, I won't be. Unlikely. I'll give you an update. All right. In two <laughs> weeks. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about this film? Before we put a bow on Los Ojos de watch Madre. Watch it. Yeah, I think it's, it's you should watch Again, it. Again, we both gave it a strong rent. Yeah. So. It's on... Where did we see it? You don't even have to rent it. It's on Netflix. Yeah, fucking A. Go watch this shit. Great. All right. Well, how about uh, recommendations? Okay. So I was, I can't remember if I was on Prime or Netflix. I think it was Prime. And I was having, you know, equally, I think it was the next day. Uh, No, actually, it might have been after you left. Yeah, it was after you left. I was still continuing to have my bad day. And I was like, I need to put something on that's going to make me feel a little bit some better. comfort and food. Yeah, some comfort food. So I put on Young Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Do you remember this movie? Yeah. Dude. Is that the one? No. Young Sherlock Holmes. No, is I was a thinking Stevens... of Young Einstein. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a good one, too. The Young so movies. Bad. Yeah. Um, with Yahoo Sirius as, as Einstein. <laughs> How the fuck do I remember anyway, that? Anyway, Young Sherlock Holmes. So Young Sherlock Holmes. And then I thought as I'm watching it, I loved this movie when I was a kid. My brother and I fucking watched it a bunch. <laughs> there, it is actually has some really good like horror moments. There's, there, they do a, like mostly practical effects um, with a lot of the horror moments. Because the whole premise is that there's this evil Egyptian cult in London and they are, they have little uh, blow dart thorn things that they hit hit people with and that causes that they're dipped in a a solution that causes them to hallucinate and then we see the hallucinations and they're fucking cool man it's you know it's sherlock holmes it's old london you know dark gothic or whatever the term would be medieval almost feeling um 
that's still the wrong term. What am I trying to say? Uh, Victorian. Yeah. Um, you can just say Victorian. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, right. And so a couple things. The, the practical effects of the of the hallucinations are awesome, but also it has this fucking scene where a stained glass window comes to life. It is. It looks oh, amazing. That movie. Dude, it is so fucking it's good. It's like we all know about that because there's yeah. always reference yes. in like history of special effects things. You yes. always see that clip. Dude. Of the stained glass it's, man coming out. It is out. definitely. It's, it's not the greatest movie <laughs> as you might expect. It's like it's a kid's movie. It's essentially in. It's essentially Temple of Doom light. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the story is very Sounds similar. Sounds great. Dude, it's so good. I mean, for what it is, it's so good. And those horror elements are really fucking good. There's a whole graveyard scene that's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, Great. man. That's mine. I mean, um, for me, I recommend Dungeons are half. They're either, uh, did I? am I watching anything now or recently that I actually liked? Or I have to think of something way, way back, you know, <laughs> just pull <laughs> yeah. from the random. But so recently I've been watching I Love, just, you know, I'm just a, but it's just such a fanboy of anything Danny McBride does with HBO. So I can say with great glee that the latest collaboration with the Righteous Gemstones is excellent, excellent, excellent. So that's like if you've liked um, uh, Eastbound East, yeah, and Down and I Vice did. Principles, I like both of all those. that stuff. Righteous What's Gemstones. What's the uh, basic idea? Premise? It's um, the the family that is at the head of a mega church. Oh, cool. And You'd say no more. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> exactly. Those sensibilities. So uh, if you're into that, yeah, I kind of love it or hate it. I love it. Cool. Ryan says, check it out. We did it. All right. It's Tim, it's your turn. To oh, that. I almost forgot. <laughs> I looked. We have 22 more, I think, unless we added other. We actually might have added a few in there. Here's a thick one. Death Bell. By, uh, it's from 08 South Korea. Yay! <laughs> you know I get excited about... I'm into it. The A-whore, the K-whore, the J-whore. Death Bell. All right. Yeah. Great. Cool, Looks dude. Like it's on Hulu, so you should watch it with us. Look, when I printed these out and I accidentally did two-sided, look what's on the back of this. Ooh, a little bit of Wrong Turn 2 showing. <laughs> just a little bit. As a reminder, we've yeah. reviewed Wrong Turn and just put it back in the hat. Yeah, and which now it's is going to be wrong turn too. Yeah, wrong turn too. But Death Bell, it looks like it's uh, it's streaming on Hulu, so you should watch it in time for next week. Cool, great. And in the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Yep, on Instagram at dismemberinghorror, Gmail at uh, uh, dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. Write us a review, please. I don't think I've ever been able to get through those two things and not like fuck it up. Uh, ooh, uh, exactly. There you go. <laughs> great. Yeah, write us a five star review. Do it, please. Ooh, yeah, please do. Do we have, like, we have a few, right? Um, yes. Cool. Few, but we need more. Yeah. Do it. We need more. No, it'll help us out. Wait, I mean, just, like, we know that there are people listening to this. Yeah. So, I know you're listening. You could right now. How about do it? the 10% of our listeners who are in Virginia? Any I want to know who that is. Any Virginians, if you're listening, shout out to can, Virginia can, again. Can somebody please just send us a message? Richmond, Chester. I want to know who you are. Richmond, Chester, Ashburn, Fredericksburg, Charlottesville, Gloucester. I think, I think Fredericksburg is my buddy. And last but not least, Wood, Woodbridge. Oh, yeah, Woodbridge. You're, you're for any of those, Richmond is our top one. 
Hey, what if it's we see, just we see you? What if it's just my friend listening to this as he drives around into different towns? Well, then he's hearing our plea <laughs> and us saying hello to him. Come and, on, Phil, and saying, "Phil, hey, help us out, write us a review." <laughs> but if you're not filling in your Virginia, same applies. Yeah, write us a review. I mean, if you're not in Virginia, still applies. <laughs> and thanks, we like having a. It's cool to know uh, the states where our <laughs> listeners are in the world. A hundred percent of our listeners on our on Earth. That's real helpful here. Uh, wow, they're really future proofing this technology. Tim. Thank goodness. I mean, look, if at some point we get a, a listen from Mercury, yeah, <laughs> fuck, that would be intense. Yeah. Well, let's hope to make it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, that's it. Great. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, well, in closing, say it again. In closing, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>